This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. Uh, weird show since we're here on a Saturday or perhaps when this goes up, but after the Friday Night Dynamite, uh, I may be joined, of course, by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. I'm doing all right. I, I have to say, these Friday Dynamites just for one reason or another, just not a fan, not a fan watching wrestling. Like that feels very bizarre and out of place last few weeks on Friday night just does not mesh with me. And, you know, I, I, I don't like watching like that kind of stuff like that late at night. Cause then I, cause if it's good, then I'll get revved up and I won't go to bed till like 2am and Mikey needs to sleep. But, uh, how are you doing Aaron? Did you catch all this live or did you watch some of it this morning? I watched it live and I, and I'll say I've, I've heard the excuses of why they have to be on Friday nights and they don't wash with me. So I'm just, uh, I'm out on Friday night dynamites. Uh, Nate, of course, is also here, AKA Epitasis. Uh, what do you think about Friday night dynamite? Uh, yeah, as, as I tweeted, I'm, I'm against Fridays for dynamites. Um, yeah, didn't like it. Don't like the shows. <laughs> don't like the energy. Uh, did sleep terribly possibly because I, drank caffeine in the course of watching the show i don't know if this ever happens to you guys you guys ever do this thing where you drink caffeine and then fall asleep but then like you know wake up get jostled by something in the night and then you wake up and then the caffeine is kicked in oh yeah oh yeah that's the worst i'm a tremendously light sleeper and i have to cut off caffeine like a certain period or else that will happen to me and i just won't go back to sleep so yeah, I, I that's, that's pretty much what I did. I, I woke up like after two hours of sleep and I was like, oh, no, you're awake now. So you got to wait like four hours before you can hopefully fall back to sleep. So um, Aaron, I appreciate that you, you tried to bring the Wednesday. This is energy instead of our typical Saturday morning. This is or not even attempting to this is. Yeah, this is usually when we would be recording a Patreon episode, and we usually start those with uh, slightly less energy and then get going. We rev it up as we go. But, you know, I tried to... That's a little secret here, folks. That's the whole point of me doing that this is so heavy, is to get my own energy up. Uh, because sometimes we do these, you know, late at night for me, and I'm old, so... All right, uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. You can subscribe to the podcast by just searching Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice. Hit the subscribe button. You'll get these as soon as they come out. Uh, if you use the Apple Podcast app, you can give us a five-star rating and review there. And the best way to support the show, as always, is to go to patreon.com slash everythingelite and subscribe. It's a brand new month. Lots of content. Uh, we will just kick it right in to Elite. Uh, do we have, to, we have to kick it? I, I don't really want to talk about this show. <laughs> I don't Nate, know if I have, have some bad other, news for you, my friend. I don't know if we have a plan B, if we have a Patreon episode idea we've been sitting on and waiting to do. Uh, I don't know. I'm, nobody liked this show. It seems like maybe one of the most universally disliked 
dynamites. Um, I don't, I don't even know that there's much to say about it because it's not like, well, you know, we'll we'll figure it out. But but we'll bury the any bad any stuff. other That'll any other fun. tangents, any other tangents we can hit up top. Any uh, get the the F one qualies happened, guys? I know wow, into, Nate I know is, you freaks are into that shit. Nate is calling for F one discussion. This is uh, this is the strangest thing that's ever happened on the show. It, it was an baseball, interesting quali, Nate. There were what four wrecks, four red flags, Ooh. and this yeah. is in a, a thing, Nate, where all you're doing is driving around the the course on your own. You're not trying to pass other people. Mm. Uh, and yet it's a it's a little it's a street circuit so there's a lot of tight turns and a lot of people just went right into the wall several times uh, now it, are it, these it, these are are these top top level people that crash on yes qualies? yes really? yes the, the it, highest these are, level these are 20 of the greatest race car drivers in the world and a quarter and 20 percent of them managed to crash out to be fair this is a street course that's very narrow but also to be fair it was really really funny like some of the ways, like one funny. of the guys, like Nate, like straight up just did not turn, and he went straight into the corner, a Lance Stroll, and he bent his wheel completely inwards. Mm. And he was like, "Guys, I'm sorry." Just real See, fail fun energy. Yeah, that's that's where I would I would make a different decision. I would probably turn. I think if I yeah. had a turn coming up, would be, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that I could excel in in professional F1, but if I saw the turn, I think I would I would turn. Well. If- I got some great news for you, Nate, because while they are largely the best drivers in the world, it's also a thing where if you just have enough money, you can pretty much race in it. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Like Lance Stroll, Nikita Mazepin. So you have a chance still, I think, to be a professional great. F1 driver. Uh, I also found myself, th- this course, Baku, is one of my favorite on the F1 game. And so I found myself saying, oh, I, you know, I would have taken that apex a little differently <laughs> there, bud. <laughs> What's uh? Where, where's the location? That's Baku? Azerbaijan. 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 Baku. The the catchphrase used to always be Baku welcomes you, and mm. it's and you like they drive like right past like like one of the turns is around a castle, so mm. it actually is a very beautiful track. It's just it's their one of the longest ones. It's the longest street circuit they have, and these cars they're made to do like one thing and one thing only. When you try to get them to like have to like. Uh, not run as fast as possible. Like, what, what whole team is, oh, we're only good when we're leading. When we're not leading, then we have issues because our car is designed to be Mercedes. Mercedes, their cars are made to be at the top of the field, but whenever it doesn't happen, it just turns into, like, a huge drama fit. And, yeah, no, I, I, I did miss out. Uh, Aaron, how did Yuki Sonoda get in a wreck this time? Hold on, I have, I have a joke. Okay. Four crashes, huh? I've heard of destruction in Beppu, but destruction in Baku? <laughs> there we go. There that we was go. Good. Uh, our our good friend, our sweet pal Yuki Tsunoda, simply uh, breaked too late going into I don't know what fucking turn it is, but and it just was impossible to make the turn, so he went right into the wall. Screwed up Carlos Sainz, who then also wrecked, and it was a lot of fun. Okay, but here's the problem with watching f1 is that they go to all these really awful places around the world yeah. but they're so beautiful that then i want to go there mm. and so it's like i don't know what's like what's what do you guys think is travel to azerbaijan like i don't know anything i won't pretend to know anything about azerbaijan <laughs> it's right on yeah. the caspian sea right yeah i, I was gonna say oh i know, I know a one... ton about the caspian sea <laughs> i'm right, a caspian sea expert yeah that borders yeah. uh iran 
Armenia mm-hmm. and what what's it? I guess I guess this is Russia up here. Right. Yeah. Uh I don't know if it's Azerbaijan or Kazakhstan, but one of the ones has like a like a full I was watching documentary about people going into like military like juntas and like their like cities. So like one of them has like an insane like capital city that no one goes to. So like this is the kind of stuff that I don't think it's Baku. I don't think it's Azerbaijan because Baku is the capital of Azerbaijan. And and if you get anything out of this episode, and it, dear listeners, it is that Baku is the capital of Azerbaijan. I'm I'm reading the uh, State Department travel advisories for Azerbaijan. Level four: Do not travel. But the funny part is this: Do not travel to Azerbaijan due to COVID nineteen. Reconsider travel due to terrorism concerns. <laughs> Well, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not worried about terrorism. That doesn't worry me. That's no. fine. And I'm, I do, I'm vaccinated. I, I, I don't, feel like, not really worried about COVID. This right. Point. If I feel like if F1, I don't know. If you're rich and you, I don't know. Well, I have to guess. I have to recalculate because F1 guys are probably okay with dying because they drive those drive those cars really fast and crash sure. them into shit. So maybe that's not not a good gauge. Yeah, I don't. I don't think death is uh, a great concern. Yeah, I suppose not. But yeah, it's probably one of those places, like a lot of places around the world, that if you are rich, it's probably easy and fun to travel to. And if you're not rich, it might be more of a struggle to enjoy a trip to Azerbaijan. Yes, that's probably true of most places. I guess that's, I guess you're right. Um, certainly outside of like Europe, that's probably true. What else? What are what are the other tangents we do besides F1? <laughs> uh, Nate, how are your succulents right now? Oh yeah, succulents. Uh, all doing well. I don't think I've had any any fatalities since the last time we we touched base. Congratulations, on the succulents. Thank you. Uh, my tea garden is overgrown to the point that the the bottommost leaves are not getting enough light because they're you know getting cramped the down by by yeah <laughs> the canopy, the tea garden canopy. Because <laughs> um, they're you know I got like. I don't know what it is, 12 plants grouped together or something. So I should probably probably make a move on trying to turn some of these tea leaves into into a beverage. Uh, but I don't know how to do that, and it would probably be a mess. So the odds of me actually attempting it are pretty low. You know, uh, I, I think you have to dry it out, maybe roast before you boil. I mean, it seems like something you could be able to do, you know? Boiling, I can do. Roasting, I uh, am not confident in my roasting ability. And drying out, literally, you let nature do it. So, unless you have a dehydrator yes. with you, which I doubt no, you do. No, drying out, I can handle. It's pretty dry in here. Nate, buddy, I've been on enough podcasts with you to have a lot of faith in your roasting ability. Thank you. <laughs> I do own you frequently. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I'm trying to find out. Uh, I'm not sure you can even travel to Azerbaijan uh, right now. Yeah, not, I don't know if it's like permitted. one of the... It's not even like Australia where you're supposed to not be able to travel to unless you go spend two weeks in Auckland beforehand. Sure. Like, yeah. I don't think that that it's like, hey, go hang out. And Auckland is the place to be anyway. Once you're in Auckland, there's no reason to go to Australia. Uh, what, what, what document? I've been watching a lot of documentaries lately. Well, New, uh, New Zealand is where all the the billionaires, billionaires go now yeah. to build their to build their bunkers, bunkers. and plan yeah. for uh, you know the post apocalypse. So I, I assume they're on to something, and they're. Probably because Australia is the fucking giant desert or whatever that they're just like, no, New Zealand's actually fine for us. Thanks. Okay. I mean, I, I would just like everyone to know if, if you've been worried about this, you've been following along through the podcast. Only U.S. citizens with legal residency in Azerbaijan are currently permitted to enter. So uh, uh, stop your plans to travel to Azerbaijan. I'll have to, I'll have to check my 
check my important data folder here and see if I have any residency. <laughs> sure, sure. I, I need to go check my safety deposit box at the bank to see if my birth certificate says I'm part Azerbaijani. All right, well, the bad thing is if we don't talk about this show at some point, this is just going to go on longer. We will have to talk about it at some point. I don't accept the premise of that we have to talk about it. <laughs> It seems, it seems, again, like a sort of arbitrary, self-imposed thing you've put on yourself. I mean, that's um, that's true. Although we yeah. didn't even do a show last week, I think the listeners are, are probably uh, hungry for EE content. Mm, well, yeah, I was going to say, maybe we could talk about last week's show, but that was on, only marginally better. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to do Elite or Delete, but I'm, I'm wondering if any... I only came up with one Elite pick, to be honest. Uh, so, well, let's see Mine's what we easy. have anyway. Nate, what do you I got? I got mine. Hopefully this isn't yours. I don't have the notes in front of me, so I don't know if you marked anything. Did you mark anything? I did not. Just okay. do, do your best. Signing Andrade is good. Andrade <laughs> is a really great wrestler. Uh, he's got all the tools. He's got the presence. He's got the charisma. He's got the star power. He's got the look. Uh, and he can go in the ring. And he's uh, very cool. Um, you know, he's uh, ingobernable. He's just everything that you could want in a professional wrestler on your professional wrestling television show. So it's cool that he's in this promotion. And it, it's not just that they, you know, have brought him in for a few dates like a, like a Laredo Kid or a Leo Rush or whatever. But they seem to have signed him to a full-time contract. So that's great. Yeah, Andrade El Idolo is one of the more singular wrestlers in the world and did not see this coming. I I feel like that the kind of the smart money would have been on him appearing in ring of honor since he's doing stuff with his longtime close friend, Roosh and Roosh is and Roosh and the whole entire Munoz family are based in ring of honor and they're doing federation wrestling there. Uh, great signing. I mean, this is like one of those guys that's like, if, if Andrade is available, you sign Andrade. And I mean, it's something that, you know, when you like look at this roster now, he, he felt this like provides like a breath of like fresh air, completely new matchups with basically everyone on this roster, just given from like the time period of when, and other than like NXT stuff. And I guess technically people who appeared in CMLL, like this, it, it's a complete like breath of fresh air and having Andrade El Idolo on the roster is just a, it, that that is something that I felt like it's a much bigger deal than having Christian Cage on the roster or having Mark Henry on the roster or no more BS Paul White on the on the roster right now. I think that it's just one of those guys that when available, you just sign. And I think that that I could say that that definitely was one of the elite things is saying, hey, Andrade is going to be around here now. That's tight. Do we want to go ahead and talk about actually debuting him or do we want to save that? Well, that's my delete. So whatever you want to do. Okay, we'll save it. Uh, yeah, Andrade, good name, kind of weird, not as sure about name, uh, but he looked cool. He had that going for him. Uh, I think, you know, based on how he's debuted, his first match should be squashing Mark Henry, and then, you know, just really set him up for success there. But yeah, I hadn't thought about that, Mike. That's a great point, that he hasn't wrestled most of these guys. Like, we haven't seen these matches, so there's... Basically, they really can't start him in a way that I won't like because it'll be somebody I've never seen him wrestle before. So uh, that'll be cool. I'm very excited about it. Do you think like, okay, the Leo Rush thing where they throw him on the double or nothing uh, battle royal as the Joker. Do we think that that's like, okay, we know only about 100,000 of our 
most serious fans watch this. So we can throw a guy on here who we're not actually going to sign, but maybe use a little bit. Whereas uh, you wouldn't want to do that as much uh, if it was on TV, where everybody's going to see it, might expect him to come back. Uh, in this case, it's like not everybody even knows maybe that it happened. So they didn't reference it on TV. So no real big deal. Yeah, well, I have kind of a larger issue with the pay-per-view coming into this show, which is that you can not watch the pay-per-view and not miss anything because nothing changed from the week before because all the feuds just continue. And yeah, you know, Leo Rush is the the surprise 21st entry Joker and, you know, no has no ongoing impact on the show or presence on this episode or anything. Um yeah, I think that is kind of what I think they want to have that freedom with that 21st spot because they want they want to have the like baseline interest of, oh, there's definitely going to be a surprise in this match. There's going to be something in this that I can look forward to as a big peak at the end of this match. Um, but there's not enough, you know, probably guys out there where they can say, well, we're definitely going to add one new signing every single pay-per-view cycle uh, in order to make that happen. So, yeah, I think they want to be able to put you know, guys are trying out or, you know, maybe somebody, but they borrowed from AAA or New Japan or whatever and put them in that spot uh, and, and and not tie themselves down to that guy. This also killed the talking point that AEW is not allowed to debut wrestlers as a surprise on TV. Yeah, kind of. I mean, people, you're the second person that said talking point about that, but that is something Tony explicitly said. It's not like something no, I, Tony disagreed with it as I recall I thought somebody reported it and Tony said it wasn't true no I think Tony explicitly said that TNT doesn't like surprise they want us to promote stuff if we have it on the coming up on the show is my okay my I recollection have, I may have had that uh confused but a weird oh we'll talk about his debut but a weird place to debut him uh along with a weird way to debut him all right Mike uh your elite pick for this episode Miro cutting a awesome promo just proud as hell giving thanks to god and shouting out his hot wife for no reason whatsoever just and very very mad that evil uno has a title shot coming up against him on a show that really like that this was the marshall McLuhan chewing gum for the brain chewing gum for the mind of wrestling shows that just it filled up two hours there was one match that was good a lot of matches that were there but miro popping up right before the main event and just saying and first giving all thanks to God and then saying, and then for no reason, I'd like to think my hot wife just popped me immensely. It was exactly the kind of thing that if you're going to have a 10 PM like time slot because of the NBA playoffs, you could do some weird stuff and just like completely just letting Miro go off for like two minutes is something that they should just be carving into every single TV show that they have. And it just was, he's an absolute winner. Yeah, the uh, you know, Miro's pretty much can't miss for me in this promotion. I don't know if there's really been a segment of his that I haven't liked in some way. Uh, the Andrade debut has to give people some pause about saying Miro's debut was the worst one ever because I will, I will take being the best man at Kip Sabian's video game wedding uh, over Andrade's debut any day of the week. Um, yeah, yeah. What uh, what I liked about it, you know, a lot of guys will come out and be like, oh, I, I, I thank God. Everything he thanks to God, I did it. God's number one. I'm number two, whatever the fuck. But he didn't, he wasn't just like, oh, you know, God gave me all these blessings. He, he says, I want to thank God for my power, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> is very, very cool and badass. Uh, and and uh, probably the best kind of praising God you could do, I guess, because it's still like fundamentally narcissistic. 
Um, yeah, that's good. And yeah, as Mike mentioned, we get a reference to to Lana, who was of course uh, released and certainly could be appearing on our television screens in approximately uh, ninety days. So uh, we'll find out about that. My elite pick. It's the new AEW women's title. I think that's a clear elite pick. Uh, I was just honestly stunned when I saw Britt Baker wear it out to the ring or carry it out to the ring last night at how different it looks from the original AEW title. Uh, It really, the colors in the plates really just shocked my eyes for a moment. They just really stood out to me. The, The size of the belt, the size of the plates, the shape of the side plates, all that really stood out to me. And I was like, damn, that's a good looking title. I'm glad they changed from the old title, which was dissimilar and not as good looking. Yeah. Uh, huge upgrade on the title. I think really the, the size in particular, the size is almost overwhelming. It kind of, kind of takes your breath away when, when you see it out there. Uh, when, and when you see Britt carry it out or when Sheeta had it, uh, you're just like, wow, that is, that belt is making a statement that is drawing my eye. That is, you know, passing some some notoriety and some importance onto the person holding it just by virtue of being in the same shot as that belt. But you know, again, it's hard to fit people into the shot with the belt because the belt's so fucking big. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very in on the belt. I'm glad. I mean, it was it was a long time coming. I had a lot of complaints about the old belt. You can probably go back to the first television show. Uh, and I probably called it too small on that show because it was too small. It looked like a toy on Riho, who I don't know if you know, very tiny woman. Um, so I'm glad they, they finally got around to it. Yeah, it looks great. And it's something that needed to happen for a while. And I mean, especially considering that, like, f- through various reasons, they're now on the third version of the TNT title. And, you know, the men's title is like they're not going to change that up unless they really have to and it was something that like the the women's title it it was it was a good idea to how the original one looked like in theory if it wasn't like 80 percent too small like just like it it was just only made it to 80 percent. whereas this one looks great it's something that i think that we will probably identify that first title belt with the first three champions riho nala rose and hikarashita i like the idea that if Britt Baker is going to be like this huge seismic thing. And at the, and this is like the new era that she's calling in. It's a new belt that, that she gets to color her way. And I think that it's very kind of appropriate here. And the whole entire segment that happened around the new title belt and McDonald's hamburgers was awesome. So, you know, I felt like that it was just like an absolute success. Uh, additional elite to Mike for not pointing out that I'm wearing the same shirt I was wearing when we did a podcast yesterday. So appreciate no, that. No. Mike. I, I, I'm not going to. I wasn't going to call you out on that. Thanks, bud. I, I mean, we we all have days like that, you know. Sure. I don't. I don't have any days like that. <laughs> uh, listener elite, listener KY uh, also had a comment about this particular segment. Elite Nyla attacking the Big Macs. <laughs> I, I, I was I was like, oh wow, Nyla's a person on this show again. That was exciting to me. I. I like that Nyla like made herself very conspicuous in the segment and then like her like slowly coming and hitting up the cheeseburger, the the Big Macs, I apologize, the Big Macs. I like that that was a really funny kind of bit and considering what all has kind of been on with Nyla over the last few months on AEW, which is nothing, she just kind of existed on Dark and Elevation. It's nice to see that this will be 
her path forward. Do we think that this is somewhat of a face term for Nyla, or are they just, just kind of writing uh, Britt Baker's like crowd response and kind of seeing where it goes at this point? Yeah, I think the latter. I think they just want to see... They don't want to book against the reactions that Britt was getting right away. They didn't want to try and force that down the audience's throats, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I can't say that they're going to go face with Nyla when she was still out there with Vicky, and we saw Vicky being the biggest heel on this show. Um, so yeah, that would be my guess. I think it was that Nyla did anything was kind of a relief because the lineup of the people in that segment was basically all the joke jobbers in the promotion. It was like Dr. Luther, Serpentico, TH2, who I, you know, I like, but they're not, not protected or established in this promotion. Um, and then, uh, Nyla and I think Diamante, uh, and it was like, Oh, this is like, they got the, the heel locker room B team out here to just stand behind Brit, uh, as set dressing for the hamburgers. Um, so it was like, oh, God, thank thank God Nyla isn't just the female Dr. Luther. The Brit thing is strange to me, though, because I talked on the Instant Reaction show about how I, how weird I thought the match was related to whether she's a, a babyface or a heel. They kind of tried to do both things. They got the nice big babyface reaction afterward, and she's got the big D&D chant. So I was curious how they would present her on this show. And then she comes out and cuts like a, a heel promo, which... But while alluding to the fact that she's very over with the crowd. So it's like, it's a delicate dance. And I'm, I'm curious how it's going to, if it's going to work. Yeah, it's tough because even if you do want to play into the fans liking her, you can't do that by changing what made them like her, right? You can't have her go out there and be a smiling baby face and be like, well, why don't you like her anymore? So yeah, it, it's a tough needle to thread. Yes, and that's something Mike and I discussed online, which is like, she needs that edge to her character. I think we know that white meat babyface Britt Baker is probably not going to get us where we want to be. So no. she needs yeah. an edge. Uh, so I don't want to see them neuter that, but it's, it's definitely, it's delicate. Because the edge, edge seems genuine and, and, and real. And like when she was giving a burger to Tony and Tony took a long time and she's like, Jesus, Tony. Like that felt real. That felt like the essence of, of Britt Baker and why uh, she's an effective and fun heel. Yes, that was great. All right. Uh, well, now for the fun part. Let's talk about the shit that sucked on this show. Uh, Nate, I see you kind of getting lumber. You're stretching uh, for this it, take. So let's have it. Is it getting lumber? Is getting, getting lumber. lumber. <laughs> you're about, yeah, right, you're no, about I'm, to lay down some lumber. Some- got some big wood um <laughs> i will i'll 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 do a plug uh because we're probably going to bury the rest of this show if you want to hear us positive about a show the patreon is reaction show we were you know it was a, like a show of the year candidate there were a ton of great matches on it that we uh liked for the most part um so if you want to hear us more positive about a show go back and listen to that on the patreon uh it is kind of the the meme that comes up whenever Cody does anything where there's a big, uh, big screen hanging in arena and it says everyone's doing a great job. And then the red text, except Cody, uh, that's pretty much the tone of that show. Uh, but anyway, if you want to hear more positive takes on AEW, that's the place to look delete. The introduction of Andrade was basically a debacle or a catastrophe. Um, did him no favors whatsoever. Absolutely made a dud out of a segment that should have been like, holy shit, you know, AEW 
you know, firing back in the wrestling wars. They're on top. They got the big star. They got a huge hot heated feud coming up with a guy who was uh, undervalued and underpushed elsewhere, but he's like a global star. Otherwise um, they just, they, they, you know, squandered that in the way they introduced him for a couple of reasons. First of all, Vicky Guerrero, just her performance in this segment individually she like botched <laughs> botched saying his name not that she said it incorrectly she certainly did a better job than jim ross uh but she like screeched it at such a volume and with such a force uh that i don't think anyone in the crowd actually understood what she said the the television viewers it was kind of one of those things where you hear something and you don't really know what it is and then you kind of unpack it in reverse in your mind uh so ex- television viewers had excalibur doing them the favor of being like wait a minute did she say on um so that didn't help because then she's like cackling on the microphone, which is a fucking stupid way to pull attention away from the big star you have debuting. She's cackling on the microphone while this guy walks out on the ramp. And then only then does probably, I don't know, 70% of the audience realize what she said or who that is. So that immediately dampened the impact of Andrade showing up here. Um, you know, having having this run directly after the Mark Henry interview segment. I kind of understand what they were going for there. I think they, you know, if you're a, if you're a television viewer, that's like, Oh, Mark Henry, I liked him in WWE. I'm going to go see what he has to say on AEW. And that's why you tuned into this show. Then it probably makes sense to be like, Oh, guess what? We got this other big star from WWE too. You know, keep, keep watching because exciting things are happening. I kind of understand that, but the segment in general had a weird energy from the top. The, the, you know, the, I guess the fans really kind of had a weird energy throughout the show, uh, but it just didn't feel lively or vibrant or urgent. Uh, it just kind of felt like a weird pro wrestling segment. Finally, it's like the most hackneyed, uninspired pairing you could possibly do with Andrade. He doesn't, I mean, Zelina Vega, not that I saw a ton of that, but I've always liked Zelina Vega's work. Um, so I'm sure that she was a, effective manager for the dude. I think Vicky Rare is like a terrible performer and a ter- terrible act. Uh, you know, you get kind of the initial reaction because people are familiar with her gimmick and, you know, it's a fine sort of heel heat thing where she screeches, excuse me, into the microphone ad nauseum. And then everybody boos her. Like people go, Oh, I remember that from fucking the glory days of SmackDown when edge was on top or whatever. Uh, but then she has to fucking talk and do more. And that's not the end of her appearance. Uh, and she's pretty much terrible at all of that uh, and adds nothing to the people she's managing. She's just an annoyance and then a hindrance immediately afterward. Uh, it, it's insane to me to put her with Andrade for that reason. Um, it, it, it just lessens his star power. It makes him look like a, you know, heel comedy act or something. I, it, it stinks. It was a terrible way to introduce him. Uh, and I'm still mad about it. It's just something that, like, you, you hit all, all the major points here, Nate. But it's like, this is a guy that is so talented and is, like, was seen at one point as, like, such a no-doubt star that having someone basically rehash their gimmick from God, that's 15 years ago. The excuse me gimmick is 15 years old. And attaching him and, and attaching Andrade to that, I think is just a immense like misread of like, oh, one plus one equals two. Oh, okay, this makes sense that Vicky Guerrero, she's going to have like 
that, that, that she would be the one bringing in Andrade. No, Andrade is, should, should have like shown up and like attacked Kenny Omega because that's a match that's going to happen at Triple Mania. Absolutely. At the Mega Championship. Like, there's so many just like easy ways to do that rather than like this dumb dick 15 year old rehash. And just was like really effective. And here's the other thing Andrade speaks English, he's fluent. Like, you don't need to have someone to do to do microphone work for him. Like, you don't need that. And, you know, it's just complete miscalculation and uh, terrible execution on what should have been, like, a no doubter thing. Like, like honestly, if you were to tell me Friday morning, hey, uh, Andrade is about to debut in AEW, how do you think it's going to happen? I'll be like, oh, Kenny's going to be doing some, some shit, and then suddenly Andrade is going to attack him, and it's going to be something to build up their feud for Triple Mania, and then you're that this feud is now entering AEW. Like it, it's just like such a simple thing, but no, they had to do like the most convoluted uh, 2006 SmackDown brain thing possible. Also like Andrade doesn't have to talk. He's fucking cool as shit. He can walk out in his cool suits looking hot and just be like a cool motherfucker who beats people up. That's all. Yeah. If you don't have a natural person to pair him with, to talk for him, he, he doesn't have to talk for months. Until like it becomes necessary, but and you can do backstage uh, packages, you know, where if he's not comfortable, I know he's fluent in English, but if he's not comfortable getting out there and cutting a promo on his own, I don't know if that's true or not. But if it is, you can do stuff and cut uh, video packages, which they're pretty good at to help him manage that. And then he doesn't have to talk in the ring. So it's just, yeah, uh, bizarre on all fronts. Yeah. Yeah, he should have fucking. I mean, he should have been to the pay per view and confronted Kenny after the triple threat match. That would have been the fucking roof. Would have there is no roof. No, maybe there's a roof. The well, you can't blow the the sides off of Dilly's place. The crowd would have gone ape shit. It would have been <laughs> a huge moment. People would remember it, you know. And it would have great synchronicity with the first double or nothing, where Moxley showed up at the end to like get in Jericho's face. Like, you know, Kenny beating these two guys and then Andrade is like waiting for him at the ramp or something would have been an awesome scene. Fans would have lost their mind. People would remember it uh, for years and years and years. But no, instead you do this. It's also, I don't mean, I don't, I don't want to overstate like the, how, I don't know that, that, that you go, Oh, Andrade, he's, he's a, you know, Spanish speaking star. Well, we have a Spanish speaking woman on the, the roster. Let's put him with her. That's what he did in the other places. He had a Spanish speaking manager. Um, and it doesn't matter that our Spanish speaking manager is, you know, terrible or doesn't fit, doesn't fit his whole, it's like, he's so suave and cool and young and Vicky is not those things. Right. Um, I, I, I just couldn't believe they did that. I, it, it, huge misfire to me i mean you like any other manager would have been better smart mark sterling would have been better but yeah i think the real answer is he doesn't especially need a manager he comes out he gets in the champion's face yeah uh, and he's presented as a huge star um and then people lose their minds and anticipation builds and you actually maybe triple a cashes in someone cashes in yeah that, just... that's my only question about it about you know yes that would have been the best way to debut him I wonder if they aren't really, you know, they don't want to do Omega versus Andrade on AEW perhaps yet. And maybe they're not really going to talk much about this Triple Mania match. Like that's not going to be a story in AEW uh, because Kenny has to lose the title, right? He has to lose the. Yes, but now he's losing it to somebody that you hired and is on your roster. So it's kind mm -hmm. of fine. Right. Like they, they gave me the all E graphic. They've got this guy signed to terms. 
So, you know, it can, I think it's fine to do an Andrade has beaten him for one title, but you know, so that, that kind of makes Andrade in this promotion. If Kenny still has three other titles, he's got to his name. So I don't think it hurts him at all. It It's just like, you would think that they would like stop tripping over themselves in a lot of ways, but they keep on finding new ways to trip over themselves. And I think this is a lot of unforced errors on the show. A lot of unforced errors. All right, Michael, what's your daily pick, bud? Oh, speaking of unforced errors, we did not need to have an inner circle celebration and doing the victory lap. And it just was something that's like, all right, they're going to be, they're now breaking this into, I guess, one-on-one feud. So I guess it's going to be Jericho back with MJF, uh, Hager and Wardlow. And then I guess uh, Santana Ortiz versus FTR and then Sammy versus 10 man. But it's just like at a certain point with like a few that it's like, all right, unless you're going to do a loser must disband five on five match, like breaking out into this versus like, that's they, not- they actually just did that. Well, I guess, I guess Pentacle didn't have to disband. They did not have to disband. It was not a loser must disband. It was if sure. inner circle. But uh, it's just kind of like a backwards way of doing this feud now. Like, okay, yeah. now we've done all these big matches, so now we're breaking them down to one-on-one matches. And it just kind of... It's just like prolonging it, especially considering that like Sammy came off as such a big star and the way they presented him as the winner of the match, the person who defended the inner circle. And he's cutting promos on Sean Spears. Like... It just makes no sense whatsoever. However, the fact that we're going to get a Lions Den match with Jake Hager and Wardlow, I think Jake Hager does not know that Wardlow is trained in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So we're going to see how that goes for him. But the rest of the segment just went on forever. And good for everyone getting a free t-shirt. But yeah, just completely bad. Do we think those were because they just didn't sell the t-shirts that they thought they were going to sell for the pay-per-view? Like, well, shit, we got all these... We got all these t-shirts left over. We got to get these out of inventory. I think it's like playing off like last year where like when they had like the, the whole Buffalo Bills Super Bowl championship thing with like their celebration with like the t-shirt that was all supposed to be them defeating the elite at the first uh, stadium oh, stampede. Okay. So they're playing off that, but they didn't make any reference to that whatsoever. And just because I have a broken that, brain, I remember that. That would have been that would have been great if they'd called attention to that because I for sure forgot that. Um, yeah, I was, first of all, very uninspired just concept. They did. This exact same thing they did on last Friday's show where it's like, well, the woman's champion is going to have a celebration and we're going to celebrate the inner circle. And they did those exact two segments uh, a second week in a row here in the exact same venue. Um, You know, that doesn't that doesn't pique your interest. That makes you go, well, that's the same thing. Uh, The actual content of the promos was all nothing. You know, I guess I guess the positive is that they did, you know, call attention to Sammy as the big hero and the big breakout star of the of the group or whatever. That was good. But yeah, like you said, now he's moving on to a solo feud with Sean Spears. So that's, you know, fine. You know, it, Sammy needs to win that feud. At least that will be uh, showing some progression from losing feuds to Matt Hardy. Um, and yeah, Wardlow and Hager that, as, as an MMA fight. That's a funny gimmick. So I'm into that. But yeah, that, this is one of all of the segments on the show where the pay-per-view feud is just continuing, even though the pay-per-view match should have been the blow off of all blow offs. You had a, you had the second huge gimmick match uh, where one team must disband if they lose. And then you turn into TV the next day or the next week. And it's just, Nope, they're still going at it up and down this card. Everybody's still going at it. It, 
does not it kind of makes maybe this is overstating it it kind of makes you feel like a, a, a jackass for buying the pay-per-view and expecting anything would like change it's like no nothing nothing of importance happens on the pay-per-views it's like an episode of the simpsons where they make a big ridiculous to do at the end of getting everything back to status quo that's what happened on the pay-per-view because all the feuds are continuing nothing changed um and it's like well why yeah it was a great show but if you're invested in stories and invested in arcs and you know want to feel like oh i have to see this because something big and important is going to happen well it's not nothing's going to happen if things happen it'll happen on dynamite it's like when wwe figured out that the network was a thing where they weren't really getting revenue from the pay-per-views anymore. So they basically, they literally stopped doing anything of import on their pay-per-views and would just do rematches on raw the next night. And it's like, we're not quite there, but we're dangerously close to that thing. And I know people talk a lot about, well, they make so much more money off of TV. That's true, but there's a way, I mean, you're trying to make money off a of pay-per-view, right? Otherwise you're not doing right. them. And certainly, if if you train people to understand that nothing exciting is going to happen on there, then your your buys are only going to go down. So you, you might as well make some money off a of pay per view uh, if you're going to have them. It also, I think, the excitement of like a post pay per view show is one you might have a, a surprise or something like an Andrade. So they did that or attempted to do that. The other fun element of a pay per of a post pay per view show is you shuffle the deck a little bit and you go. Oh wow! Now we get to see, um, you know, Pack and Jack Evans are going to square off, like, and and you just get some sort of you know surprising new interaction between characters, or just any anything that is fresh and hasn't been what you've been watching on TV for the last six weeks. Uh, and yeah, there was there was none of that. It was just like, no, it's it's what you've been watching for the last six weeks. It's the same same programs. Yeah, I mean. I hadn't thought of it that way, but as I look through this, through this run sheet, it's like literally no two new people <laughs> interacted with each other. Oh God. Okay. Um, my delete. Well, those were basically the two that I wrote down. I'll just do the listener delete and we can talk about this. Uh, listener short shine says I stopped bothering to delete Jr. like a year and a half ago, but seriously put him out to pasture. I know there's been a lot of JR discourse, Jim Ross discourse. Uh, he definitely was bad, but I think I have grown to a point where I can tune him out other than him very embarrassingly trying to pronounce uh, Andrade El Idomo. <laughs> yeah. It's something where it was noticeable last night that he was, I don't want to say like anything about his mental faculties. It just was, it was not a good performance. Just random like segues, like counting how many times Nick Jackson cut, uh, came in for like a breakup or like cutting off a tag or something like that. Just like and it wasn't like the cranky Jr. It just was like bizarre Jr. And I'm, and I'm like the same way. Like I'm able to unless your commentary that I really enjoy, I will zone out on you very quickly. But it just was so bizarre how he was, and it's something that like you look at what happened on Double or Nothing, where like they they set things up to have a lot of like special announcers come in there don Callis comes out for two matches you had taz out for cage versus page and it's like you look at like the booth right now it's like that was so much more of a more pleasant like uh listening experience than it was last night it doesn't help also that we're all watching this late at night on a friday night so it's just like everyone's just like okay yeah and just was a bad performance yeah you know i 
I don't think Tony's performance was especially good either. Um, JR, like you said, you know, it wasn't one of these shows. Sometimes he has these shows where it sounds like he's complaining about half the things in the promotion and he's, you know, on his crotchety old man bullshit and he, you know, is complaining about the tag rules all the time or this thing or the other thing. It didn't feel like one of those, but it felt to me like both JR and Tony did not have a ton of specific insider analysis into these matches or feuds, even though these are feuds that have been going on for six weeks and you, you should have kind of an idea of what the arc of the feud is or what the themes of the feud are, or what the motivations of the characters are and how you can tie that into the matches or their actions or whatever. It, it kind of felt like they were just doing their pat lines of, Oh, here's what we say when this kind of thing happens in a match, or here's the, you know, uh, uh, half-assed sports analysis of what this means with this move at this time in the match. Uh, and it, you know, they, they, it just felt like they were resting on resting on their laurels. Is that just felt like they were going back to the well of tried and true lines that didn't, didn't force them to come up with anything insightful or original. Um, and yeah, so, so that's usually not really a problem with Tony. Tony usually kind of brings an energy that kind of, uh, allows him to just say, say low content things or just like be, be amused or pleased with something or surprised by something. Uh, but I, yeah, this maybe, maybe, maybe it's just the time slot. And those, those guys are, don't have the, the great television energy at that time in the evening. And this isn't a, this isn't an excuse for them, but uh, they may also be bored of these stories that have been going on and haven't changed, but their whole job is to like inject new life into them. Uh, if that's, what's going to keep going, they have to, be the voice that convinces us that this is exciting. And they certainly failed at that. All of them failed at it. I mean, I didn't Excalibur didn't like suddenly uh, change my feelings about the commentary on the show. He was fine, but he didn't inject anything new. He, he felt like he was kind of being put in a spot where he didn't have a lot of opportunity to even do that. I don't know. I feel mm-hmm. like whenever I think back to Excalibur on the show, it was him plugging upcoming shows or plugging shop AEW or whatever. And it's like, Okay, you know, we're into year three of this promotion or whatever. I think people know that merch is on shop AEW. Or he's yeah, plugging it, Dwayne Wade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. the cube starting Dwayne Wade where you go, help me, Dwayne Wade. This cube is very scary and I need help to get out of the, the stunt you have here. We're really like, if, if we're going to do a game show that, that involves people being like locked into a cube, at least make it the Crystal Maze. Come on. All right, let's run through the rest of the show. It kicked off with the Young Bucks versus Penta and Pac. Uh, Before the match, Nick put his headband on Michael Nakazawa, you know, like he was giving it to a fan. And the elite hunter, Frankie Kazarian, attacked, baby, before the Good Brothers uh, chased him off. Yeah, you know, the elite hunter might be my second choice for elite on this show um, because I'm just so tickled when he shows up now and that he, that he didn't go after, you know, Kenny Omega or Don Callis <laughs> right. or somebody else, but instead went after Michael Nakazawa really tickled me and made me happy. Um, and I hope he like kills Michael Nakazawa in a match or something now. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm semi ironically into this gimmick. 
I can't say I'm unironically in it because there is certainly an element of irony to it. Uh, but it does genuinely give me like, yes, the elite hunter, Frankie Kazarian, is here. Well, Nate, I'm, if I'm not wrong, the saying is to kill the snake, you first cut off the tail. So I think that's just what uh, Frankie Kazarian is doing here. I think that might be one of Mike's idioms. <laughs> uh, in the match itself, uh, Nick Jackson pinned Pack after Brandon Cutler hit Pack with a camera. After the match, the Young Bucks attacked, uh, but Eddie made the save uh, and uh, uh, began another thing on this show of lots of interference and lots of fuck yeah. finishes. Yeah, yeah, that that was that was your the delete we left on the table for you. That's there. right. I'm sorry. Is that every yeah. every match had heel interference leading to the finish or whatever? Yeah, the match itself was good. Then the interference kind of did like this, and you, you, we're all were just coming down from the hide known as the Elite Hunter, anyways. But it was it was Absolutely. a fun opener. You know, I mean. Best thing, best match, I think, on the entire card. I guess this was the one, and it's not fresh, but it's like, oh, Eddie interacting with Death Triangle again, and how is that going to play out? That was at least fresh. Yeah, so that was a good um, advancement, I guess. And, and that they acknowledged it and called attention to it is good. It doesn't feel like they're insulting the viewer or disrespecting your time, that it's like, wait a minute, did these guys all just hate each other? So... Yeah, you know, you just do a little bit of groundwork and be like, well, they have a common enemy and they're going to give it a try is is a positive. Uh, uh, you know, the other promotion doesn't always do that. It also, it looks like Mox will be out for some time. They were really selling the uh, multiple BTE triggers as death. And of course, uh, did Renee just have the baby or is about to have the baby or something? So it looks like about, Mox will be About to have the baby. So Mox um, may be out for a while. Yeah. This... <laughs> It's, I don't, it is funny that like Moxley went down to like three or four soft looking knees to the head and now he's out. Whereas Jericho like went off a death cage and all this other shit. And he's just back on television the next day. Well, he you does know, have a pro, pro wrestling stuff. Does have a brace on his arm, Nate. So let's, I, let's I, be I, fair here. I do. Uh, I appreciate that. That does help. That makes it go down more smoothly, but. Uh, this was where Mark Henry came out with Tony Schiavone. He says he's not here to fix AEW. He's here to turn the screws, which is apparently some reference to something he says on Busted Open Radio. Um, he Tony asked if he's going to wrestle again. He said he won't say he will, but he's got a lot left in the tank. And uh, Are you excited for Mark Henry, AEW wrestler? Uh, I am not one of those people a few years ago who decided that Mark Henry is one of the best wrestlers of all time. So, no, <laughs> I'm not. You, didn't, you did not post on pro wrestling only. No, I have never. I have never. Yeah. Uh, I like that he made a reference to the uh, salmon jacket promo. I like that. He had a salmon t-shirt yeah. on. Yeah, he did. Yeah. but then... that, uh, that was his iconic, you know, uh, similar to you. I never understood all the Mark Henry hype, with the exception of that one segment, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, people now talk about like it's the barbershop window or something and, and just won't shut up about. Um, but yeah, do I? I don't know. It's kind of the same thing with Big Show where it's like, well, I don't, I'm tired of seeing these guys. I've been on television for 20 years. I never enjoyed any of their matches in that time. But now does the idea of like Mark Henry versus um, Kenny Omega kind of intrigue me? Uh, it kind of does. Yeah, when you say it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh. mean, that's not what's going to happen. But, no. you know, that is an intriguing <laughs> proposition. No, they, it's going to be Mark Henry versus the big show for the 30th time, probably. Yeah, they have exactly. to get 3-6 Mafia to make a new song for Mark Henry. 
that would that would be sick. They did. He didn't have any music when he came out, so that is kind of a good. Neither did Andrade. What the fuck? Yeah. Well, hey, Mikey Ruckus. They're not. They're not giving him enough lead time on these signings. I guess uh, they're not. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mikey Ruckus. I don't have any more comments on Mikey Ruckus. This was where the Vicky and Andrade thing happened. Andrade said he's going to be the new face of AEW. Uh, Cody and Lee Johnson versus QT Marshall and Anthony Agogo. I guess QT recovered. How tall is Conrad? Can Conrad manage Andrade? He's a flare. <laughs> They're both flares. That's true. They are both yeah. flares. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're they related now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Fuck. <laughs> uh, Q- uh. QT pinned Cody after Agogo came in and, and punched Cody. He was trying to do the crossroads, I believe, on, on QT, but he, he took a a fist to the jaw instead. Uh, and after the match, QT was mad at Tony Giovanni for some reason that I didn't quite suss out. They didn't respect that the tremendous upset that QT Marshall had, that QT ah. Marshall won. Like, it was it was. That. I see. Yeah. So Man. this, like, my big takeaway from this match was a go-go feels like a dude. Like, a, like just a dude. Oh, you're saying this didn't get all the heat back for, for <laughs> QT and a go-go? Uh, I did not get that sense. And he's just like, oh, here I am. I'm just standing on the apron and I'm just uh, a guy. And here I am doing wrestling moves in a wrestling ring and I'm a guy. It's like, I'm sure they can, you know, heat him up. And I still am uh, bullish on a go-go as a pro wrestler. But uh, this was further proof that the match with Cody sucked and didn't accomplish anything positive for Anthony Agogo. Yeah, just a roster member, not a huge special attraction star which I think might have been in play for a time there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If this guy is just fucking people up with punches for months, uh, then, you know, he, I think, could have been a big dude. You could have had him fucking knock out. This is how you could have used Paul White and Mark Henry. You could have had him knock the shit out of them. Yeah. Uh, that could have got him over even more. But instead, it's like Cody posting today. Uh, he's a great boxer who needs to work on his wrestling. Well, then hide his fucking wrestling until, yeah. and I know it's like, half shoot half work but it's like hide his wrestling until he is better and needs it all he needs to do right now is knock the shit out of people that's it it's also very annoying that cody is constantly putting over his opponents and be like yeah. oh well, he's a great talent we don't always see it eye to eye it's like no you're supposed to fucking hate this guy yeah it sucks it, it, the thing that gets me is like one of the big spots for a go-go in this match other than like the four upside the head was his breakup of I think it was Cody uh, having it was Cody had QT and the figure four. And actually I, I love this bit of camera work where they kept the camera on QT and Cody. And then out of nowhere, you see Ogogo flying into frame and splashing Cody. And it's just like, he's now like someone who has a good punch and is a former Olympian. Whereas like, just like uh, you should have just had him for like three months, destroying everyone, making everyone pee blood. And then, Suddenly, he either has someone who takes him down and defeats him, or suddenly it's like, oh, wait, now with Gogo, now he's been in all these matches, he's starting to pick up on wrestling, and that makes him even more dangerous. Yeah. Like, there's there's so many more interesting routes they could have done than just this, and that's infuriating because it, it did feel like for, like, a month they had something with a Gogo, something special. Yeah, it's like, how many MMA storylines have there been about a guy who's, like, one-dimensional but people still can't get to his weaknesses because he's so strong in this one dimension. And then Ryan Hill. Yeah. Right. And then maybe he figures it out. Maybe he doesn't, you know, obviously it's pro wrestling. So he figures it out at the end, you mm-hmm. know, doing the wrestling. 
uh, and it's just like a fucking easy. You want to talk about sports based stories? That's a sports based story that's easy to tell. And they fucked it up. I mean, they just they pissed all over it. it I'm I'm <laughs> mad about it, honestly. Yeah, no, it, you're totally right. That would have been both those ideas would have been great, but they just wanted to do now I'm the American dream, and we love the truth. And and what does this accomplish for Cody? Like, what did he earn? What did he gain? By beating a Google. He's already a huge star. The crowd already loves him. Uh, if anything, all he did was like irritate people on the margins who like maybe aren't your your base of fans. But like, uh, I just I don't get what Cody what Cody gained out of this. Uh, it, it's almost it makes it look more like a Gogo is like Hager where Cody's gotten past him. Now he's going after QT, like a higher person in this feud. A Gogo is just like. Uh, a stepping block, which is, which is bad stepping stone, I think. Yeah. I mean that, I think that that feud structure makes sense for a lot of different feuds and it would have made sense if they had talked about the factory betraying them and Cody was pissed about that and right. out for blood for that reason. Uh, but he wasn't, he forgot about it after, you know, he, he put him in the figure four on top of a bus. Then he forgot about it. It was old news. He didn't care anymore. Uh, and then he was mad because the, the guy was like, America fucking stinks. And Cody's like, no, it's good. What a story. Uh, then we had the inner circle celebration, which we talked about. But I will point out uh, that Santana really got to the meat of the story here when he asked, what did we really accomplish? <laughs> By beating <laughs> could be, could be said about yeah a lot of feuds on this. <laughs> yeah, the whole show. The, the, uh, the that best... should have been the subtitle for the entire episode, what did we accomplish? Yes. Uh, the best friends had a, a backstage segment or uh, pre-tape, really. Uh, they said, Kenny, the sunglasses comedy guy, had you beaten twice. Uh, and Orange says, if you think this is over, it's not. So I guess we're still getting some sort of build to to Kenny versus Orange. Yeah, that's um, interesting. I didn't think that was going to be where they went with this next. Uh, but I have to say, I really like the framing that chuck taylor brought to this where he's like i don't even know why like he was upset about doing this backstage promo um in a way that was logical uh and like totally you know i've said it a million times that the best friends understand like the correct tone of this promotion more than anybody else but it, you know it's just chuck, chuck taylor being real and tying it perfectly into his pro wrestling character as the friend of this guy who got fucked in the match uh, and then he has to go and they're like, oh, let's do a little promo with you backstage. And he's like, no, I'm fucking pissed off about it. Um, and he just brought the right the right tone to that. Uh, and, you know, it, it just uh, he, he, I love I, I love that act. And, you know, that, that goes it's not just like, you know, detached irony boys or whatever. It's like a great pro wrestling expression of what Chuck Taylor's character is. Then we had uh, Kenny Omega backstage with Don Callis and Nakazawa. Alex Marvez shows up. They're like in a control room. You know, they're working on some video. Uh, it made me think of like, you know, Saturday morning WWF television with Sean Mooney back there, you know. Uh, he says, the best friends are accusing you of cheating. And Callis says, you should be talking about what we're doing right now. We have the raw footage. We're going to be talking about the conspiracy to screw Kenny Omega. Marvez brings up Jungle Boy and that he's going to be facing Kenny. Uh, Kenny points out that Jungle Boy didn't beat anyone of uh, import in the Battle Royal, no one in the top five. And he says there's a big difference between a Jungle Boy, a Jungle Man, and a Jungle Champion, which I thought was funny. Uh, he's Jungle Kiona then came out. No. Uh, <laughs> Kenny sang Baltimore, which I thought was uh, a good little bit. Yeah, and it went right into the – like this was actually like 
I felt like the production on the show, and I usually harp on this, like they did some cute things, so like the camera angle, then having this, like Kenny singing, like almost immediately go into the actual version of Baltimore as Jungle Boy came out immediately after that. Like they, the, the, this was a cute segment. I thought that it accomplished what it set out to do. And, you know, I, I really am interested in what Don Callis's film editing inspirations are, you know. That there's a lot of different ways this can go. This video that's going to happen, this conspiracy victim video. Yeah, I think this is a good, you know, month long promo or promotion. No, program. That's the word. <laughs> Pogram. This is a nice month long program just to have Jungle Boy as a intermediary challenger who's going to, you know, put up a valiant fight against Kenny. Um, and you know they're doing doing a good job building. You know, I guess this is probably the freshest thing on the show, I, I guess. So, yeah. And it did go right into Jungle Boy and Christian Cage versus Private Party. Uh, Jungle Boy tapped out Mark Quinn with the snare trap after the match. In a continuation of the absolute SmackDown interview on the show, Matt Hardy attacked Christian. <laughs> yeah. The match was good. Solid match. Yeah. Long. Yeah. I like I like the the sort of the mix up of little you know tag partners they did here. I, the private party I think is, is continuing to develop. They're you know I wouldn't have expected that they would be this fun as heels, but their their heel performances always kind of surprised me. Like oh yeah okay, the five second pose thing they did in here twice was funny. Like forcing Christian to do it, it reminds me of like Casey a little bit how he would force guys into the b boy pose in Dragon in Dragon Gate. Um, so that was that was good. Yeah, this is this was a, a a solid match here. I do. I was just appreciating, like, hey, remember when Matt Hardy was on every show every week and also on every vlog every week, and we were just saturated with Matt Hardy, and we have kind of gotten away from that, I think, in this last cycle. But yeah, if you're gonna do Matt Hardy and Christian, I think you kind of just gotta like, I don't know, wait wait until Jeff's contract is up or something, and so you can really do it instead of like doing just an imitation of this old classic feud. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that seems to be like such the obvious thing, and then to do like this, the the match itself was fun. I think I think that Jungle Boy. It's gonna be interesting to see like this test run of like a feuded. Like as you're saying, like this is like a great use for Kenny, but also for like Jungle Boy at this point. Like he's 23. He's someone that they've put a lot of equity into, and they still are. And it'll be an interesting thing, especially considering that's the last or the second to last show before they go back out on the road is going to be that AEW title match. So uh, I, I'm very intrigued to see how this goes for him and to see if he's going to be like Darby and they cultivated another young star. Well, the reactions seem to indicate that it's working as far as the reactions he was getting over the FanFest weekend or whatever. Also do want to, you know, they gave, is Evil Uno segment next? Is that what's up? This promo? No. Okay. Well, I'll get to that then. then. Go ahead. Uh, I bet Jungle Boy is going to come up just short in his challenge against Kenny Omega. I bet that's what happens. Is oh, like Darby, yeah. like Darby would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I, I followed yeah. you, big cat. Valiant effort. Uh, Team Taz pre-tape. They want Hangman to pick uh, a another partner, a partner to face Hobbs and Cade. Uh, Sting and Darby are with Tony and they do the exact same thing. Two segments in a row. Uh, Sting had fun at double or nothing. He tells us. Then we have Scorpio sky and Ethan page interrupting on the video board. And the story here is that they think sting is carrying Darby, the 62 year old sting. So they want him to find another partner to wrestle them. 
I don't know. I kind of like that as a story. That's a good heel heel angle to take that probably hits on, you know, something the critics say or whatever. It's like, oh, well, you know, they're they're putting Darby with Sting and, uh, you know, Sting is going to eat up all Darby's heat and all this stuff. I imagine someone's saying that somewhere anyway. So I kind of like that as like a heel attack that, oh, no, you know, you're you're riding Sting's coattails. You, you don't match up to us because you're just with this old legend or whatever. Yeah, I thought the, I thought the Scorpio Sky promo was was pretty solid. Uh, then we had the Brit celebration. She she does the thing that the inner circle did with the T-shirts, except it's McDonald's coupons and also except they don't actually have them. <laughs> they're not actually there. She has all the coupons because uh, she did all the work herself. And of course, Nyla destroys the hamburgers and leaves. I got annoyed that they called attention to it being coupons. Why not just say they gave me 15, 1500 hamburgers? I don't know. That was, <laughs> why do you have to say it's coupons? They, they think everybody's on Twitter, I think. And so that everybody would know yes. already that they're coupons. Yes. Uh, the thing I didn't say about the shirts earlier, usually when you get a free t-shirt, it's like extra large or 2XL. It's like if you're five uh, six AB, it's like the shirt, the free shirt they give you never fit. Uh, but yeah. they, this looked like they had, were all like smalls and mediums. Like I saw a lot of people holding them up that did not look like they would be able to actually wear the shirt. So just a uh, funny thing. That plays into my theory that it they does. were unsold shirts because wrestling fans, those shirts you are least likely to sell are going to be your smalls. And- That's true. Eddie Kingston was backstage with Alex Marvez. Uh, Penta and Pax said they don't want his help. And Annie, Eddie says, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Let that marinate in your brains. Which I thought was a funny phrase. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and Pac was just not having it. That that was that was hilarious. Good segment. Uh, Red Velvet versus the Bunny, and Red Velvet won with the Just Desserts. I I did notice Red Velvet's apron entrance gear this time. She yeah. really is a a chef, cook themed yeah. wrestler. And they and they worked Kylan King into it. She like pulled the. She lit the fuse, basically. Light the fuse. <laughs> bring the boom. Um, yeah, I was, I was pretty impressed. Red Velvet did come out here with, I thought, more energy. I don't. She felt like kind of more of a star on this show. Uh, and then she almost died on a dive. Yeah. But it did not seem to face her whatsoever. She still moved about the ring with total confidence. Um, so that, I was impressed with you. I'd be like, man, if I almost died, I would probably be shaken up for the next four weeks. Uh, but she seemed fine. That's not true. I did almost die in a car crash, and I was pretty much fine. <laughs> uh, and I didn't care at all. So I guess that's not true. But uh, credit to Red Velvet anyway. So this will also yeah. be good for your potential F one run. Right. Dave. No, this is uh, this is maybe my my next move. I did recently install the Illinois Lottery app, so this is okay. Uh, that's my first step on the road to being an F one race. Excellent. There we go. Uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of dives in my day. That was one where everyone messed up on. Like, Ali wasn't there. Red Velvet went short. And the finish of this match was weird, too. Like, loaded, like, like giving uh, Ali, like, a loaded fist, and it didn't matter whatsoever. And, like, the fact that uh, Big Swole and Kylan King hopped up on the turnbuckle to, like, point it out there. And it almost, like, this, like the distraction, distraction didn't work. It just was a, it, it kind of turned into a mess at a certain point. But, but Nate's absolutely right. Like, Red Velvet, especially like with like everything on elevation and dark and now bring her back up to dynamite, like feels like there is something there with red velvet. And 
it, I, I think that ever since that she's been each opportunity Red, Red Velvet's been given, she's knocked it out of the park. So, you know, it's definitely earned. They're doing a Powerpuff Girls color scheme with Big Swole and Kylan King, they said on Twitter. Um, so, hey, those they got an idea for those girls. That's good because they weren't doing anything. So. Uh, the Dark Order was backstage. Uh, John Silver says they wanted to give him a TNT title shot, but he's not cleared. So Uno is getting it instead. So really big uh, vote of confidence in evil Uno. Here. <laughs> yeah, this was this was very amusing to me because it's like, oh, evil Uno got a surprisingly big pop. Let's give him a title shot. That's what I imagine their thinking was. It's not, you know, especially illogical thinking. You may as well see what the interest level is for that. Um, and it's very, you know, who would have imagined, you know, three years ago, who would have imagined a year ago, who would have let alone three years ago or five years ago, evil Uno versus Miro FKA Rusev for a title match. Uh, not me. Then we had Miro backstage where he shouted out to, to God and his hot wife, uh, and the surprising main event, the bull rope match, Dustin Rhodes versus Nick Comoroto. And Dustin won with uh, the top rope bulldog that he does that I'm sure has a name, but I don't remember. Yeah, whatever. Uh, we got a war throw. We, we got to see That's Fuego true. go flying into the crowd. Oh, yeah. That rock. That probably the peak of this match was Fuego showing up to pay off some Sammy Guevara vlog canon yeah. where Dustin Rhodes has been hyping him up and mentoring him. Um, you know, I kind of makes me think hey they they might try something with fuego here maybe maybe we'll, we'll, we'll see with this the, the the one thing that was a negative though is they did not throw him throw him into the part of the crowd where lexington's own and aaron's close personal friend uh the iron b shane mercer was where sure mercer should have caught him and then thrown him back to nick almorado the iron demon shane mercer he's only iron beast when he's with That's kyle right. the iron kyle the beast, beast I, comma, I apologize, kyle shane. The. Uh, yeah, Shane Mercer was there, so I am hopeful that he's going to be on on Dark uh, this week. I have to, I have to guess. I don't think they brought him down for crowd work only. Yeah, but it that would have been an insanely sick way to debut Shane Mercer is for him to have caught Fuego. That would have been fucking sick. Now I'm like, I'm at the same time hyped up uh, about that possibility and pissed off that it did not occur. Did not happen. Then you would have his debut would have been I don't know a hundred times better than Andrade's. And you least. can't do that. <laughs> weird, weird choice for a main event. I thought, especially like when you're asking people to watch your show at like yeah. almost midnight Eastern time. Strange. But if it you felt look, like when sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say like they like having the Bucks kick off a show, and then you look at the other four matches. Uh, Cody could have been, I guess, they could have done Cody there. They weren't going to have private party and uh, Christian Cage in the main event and uh, the women's match. Like this one, kind of was slotted to go there when you like look at how the card was laid out after that opener. Yeah, uh, you know, and you had a, a babyface win on top. That probably is better than having you know QT cheating to win or whatever at the end of the show. Uh, and also, it mostly just feels like they were punting because they know nobody's going to watch after the what is it, eleven o'clock Eastern hour. I can't. What time was it in my time zone? It started at nine. Yeah. So yeah. after the 11 o'clock Eastern hour, a lot of people are asleep. So that felt like, okay, we don't, we don't really care what goes on in the main event here. Cause nobody's going to be watching. It kind of felt like when WWE would put their world title match on, it was like Brock versus Seth 
versus John Cena second on the show on a pay-per-view because like, oh, everybody else is going to be actually not watching our show. So we better get this match out up top. Um, that it, That's kind of a cell phone. It kind of makes you look weak, like you have no confidence in people tuning in for your big matches. But, uh, you know, it's a Friday Night Dynamite. It, it's almost as non-canon as the pay-per-views. I don't remember what exactly was on at 11 or how that played out. But if you look at this, this show after the jungle boy and Christian cage match, it goes uh, backstage segment, sting and Darby Brit celebration, Eddie backstage, red velvet versus bunny dark order backstage, Miro backstage four rope match. So it's like, there is nothing in probably the second half of the show. I, I think inner circle was the main event of the first hour. I think. Yeah, so just uh, a weird, weird show. I think that was kind of the true main event, and then they're like, "Well, that's when our our rampage show would end." So everything from here is just like <laughs> is fake. Yeah, is is dark elevation plus. Well, where we never mail it in, folks, is over at Patreon dot com slash Everything Elite. Uh, this week, the big show, you know, coming from last week, I guess, is the uh, Double or Nothing Instant Reaction. You can still check that out. Uh, especially because it's you know the beginning of the month, good time to go check that out. Uh, Mike and I did our light preview of Dynamite, which we'll be doing even for the uh, the Friday Dynamites, of course, and the Saturday Dynamite, I'm sure, also. So I guess I don't need to be doing my uh, my light recordings on on Tuesday nights. Is that what you're saying to me? You don't have to when for these Fridays. We're not going to be doing light until uh, Friday morning. Mm, okay. Our version of our part good of good to know. Yeah, so you can do those. Um, and then next week or Monday, not next week, I don't know when this will come out, but starting Monday, the 7th, uh, we'll have a new Patreon episode out that's uh, mostly about the WWE releases and like uh, kind of what we see as a possible way forward for those folks, if we can see them in AEW. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, the midpoint of the year and go through some of our awards categories of where people stand at the midpoint of the year. So uh, that'll be out on the 7th. We have a Discord, so if you sign up for our Patreon at the five or eight dollar level, you can join our Discord. And the other big thing about our uh, Patreon is that on our normal shows, we do a live instant reaction right after Dynamite. Uh, we're we're not doing those with these Friday night shows, but when they're on Wednesdays, normally we go live right after. And if you're on the eight dollar tier, uh, you get all those and the replay until the the show goes up. Well, the replay stays forever, but you might not need it after the show goes up. So that's patreon.com slash everything elite next week on dynamite on the 11th. So it'll be on Friday night. Again, we have the TNT title Miro versus evil Uno, the young bucks and Brandon Cutler versus pack Penta and Eddie Kingston. And Hangman has chosen uh, 10 Preston Vance as his teammate to go against cage and Hobbs. It feels like maybe 10 is going to start getting some semblance of a push. I think they must have data that suggests 10 is worth uh, trying out here. They gave him that Darby Allen title match main event. Um, so they must think they have something with 10. Can't remember the last five match I saw. He's been on dark and elevation. Like, Can't remember but... the last five match I saw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was he in the battle Royal? You might've seen one. Five mm, match. I don't think he was. I don't remember. Uh, and then, of course, he in the Royal. even Man, though they told okay. us it would be in two weeks, in fact, in three weeks, we'll be seeing uh, Kenny Omega versus Jungle Boy for the AEW title. And that's going to be on a Saturday night. So they're really just all over the place with these uh, dynamites throughout the month of June. 
And I think the next two dynamites are taped. Yeah. Maybe yeah, with no crowd. Just... I guess all the, not. all these ratings you throw out because none of these oh yeah represent people's actual viewing. Yeah, yeah, you just you just hope and they've done a good job of this of their their viewers being resilient, although they haven't had a full month of weird showings. So it'll be really interesting that first uh the first one in July of how the viewers bounce back for that one. Yeah, because wasn't it that their DVR threes and sevens were enough to like be about where they were at on Wednesdays? I think the plus seven was over a million. Yeah. So Yeah. I think the yeah. Still still resilient, but people understandably not staying up, you know, to midnight to see Mr. Freak Beast main event. Well, I wondered because I remember that Saturday night dynamite they did got a normal rating. Like it did very well. So I wondered if the Fridays would, but I guess well, that had a really good lead in, right? That had coming right off a big NBA, NBA an game, NBA, an NBA game, yeah. And it's also yeah. it's also different because I think Friday night television viewing is a lot different than Saturday night television viewing. If you look at the normal charts or whatever, it is. That, it and is. that's what now we miss because Showbuzz Daily, I guess, is dead. So we miss the context of the number. You know, mm-hmm. it's it really doesn't matter like the total number, the even the demo number. It's more about where were you in relation to how many people were watching television that night? Yep. All right. I guess that's it. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Light the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, uh, subscribe. Give us a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. And go check out patreon.com slash everything elite. Uh, good thing, Nate, you you forced those tangents on us early because uh, you were right. We didn't have a ton to talk about about this show. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just thinking, wow, we uh, was a shorter episode than than expected. It didn't feel like we were going short, but no, I don't know. but that's okay. I'm sure people uh, didn't just want to hear us bitch about the show for two hours. So, okay, well, that's it uh, for Mike. For Nate, I'm Aaron, and we'll see you next week. I that's usually how I end the show, but I'll just say in case you haven't picked up on this. We won't be having shows on Wednesdays until they get back to Wednesdays. And we'll still be doing these, you know, for Friday shows, we'll do it on Saturday. I'm sure for the Saturday show, we'll do that one on Sunday. And uh, yeah, so you'll see us at those weird times. So for Mike Fernand, I'm Aaron. See you then. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.